Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colton Molesky. And I'm joined, as I am, to close out every week by Corey DLG and producer Nico. And we are excited for week two. Got started really well with that matchup on Thursday Night Football between the Chargers and the Chiefs. But before we get into the matchup against the Broncos, I want to ask you guys, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? You got anything going on this weekend? I am just going to try and consume as much college football on Saturday as is humanly possible. You know what? Actually, there is. I'm going to go and meet up with some friends midday. There's a beer garden, like a stone's throw from my house right on a lake. It's a beautiful little spot. So I might have to hit that up before. Because, you, you know, Midwest, we only have so many beautiful weekends. But other than that, I think it's just going to be a football-filled weekend. How about you guys? Nico, you got any big plans? Uh, I got a buddy's birthday that's coming up, so we're just going to hang out, just have a good time. But other than that, that's pretty much smooth sailing from here. Yeah, so here in Texas, we get so many wonderful weekends that we uh, we waste them. Because that's how many, like, we have too many nice. wonderful weekends. Uh, yeah, when you said that you could serve them, I started to think about it, and that's probably pretty accurate. Like, you guys probably... Or genuinely, you're like, oh man, this is like our last good weekend for a minute. Yeah, you gotta um, you gotta take advantage of them when it's it's nice up here in Wisconsin, Minnesota, all these places. You gotta make sure that you're taking advantage of those nice September weekends. Yeah, we don't have that problem. We'll have nice September weekends until uh, February. Well, and then we'll have like a month of winter. Yeah, and then it'll be 400 degrees yeah. again. March March 16th, it'll be 95 degrees. I don't even know how to relate to that. But I do know that we have football coming up on Sunday. We're going to get into all of the matchups. But before we get into that, or not all the matchups, we're going to get into the Broncos and Texans matchup. And we're going to look at that, pick some winners, maybe give out some good winners as well. If we're looking at spreads and over-unders, we'll see. We had a pretty solid weekend last time we handed out some picks. But before we got to that, I did have one thing that I noticed. It was kind of eaten away at my mind. I wanted to bounce this off of you guys to see what you thought. It was interesting for me. A couple days ago, you had the Twins had a chance at a no-hitter. They pulled their starting pitcher, and they end up – the last few innings are a mess because of it because they're worried about – uh, you see this a lot in baseball. They're worried about the next game. They're not worried about the game they're in. They're worried about their pitching lineups and planning for the rest of the week, whatever. You see this in, in other sports, too. You see this in, in the NBA, making sure that you have plenty of games that you're resting, not playing your stars too much, especially your young stars. That's where you're going to build your franchise around. But in tonight's game, uh, the Thursday night football game, the Los Angeles Chargers versus 
the Kansas City Chiefs, you had Herbert in there. That's the franchise quarterback. This is the guy they're going to be building around for the foreseeable future. And he takes some brutal shots to the ribs. And they were they weren't dirty hits. They were clean hits. But he's in the pocket. He's hanging in there trying to make plays. And he's taking some brutal hits in that second half, especially the fourth quarter. And at one point, you see that his ribs are clearly – something's not right with his ribs. I'm not going to say – uh, anything's broken because I haven't seen any reports on that yet. But the way he was grimacing, holding his ribs, pulling at the pads, something was clearly wrong with his ribs. And instead of coming out of the game, instead of getting pulled, they were down uh, with about three minutes and change left. They were down by 10. Instead of pulling it, you had him stay in there. He was in so much pain, he couldn't even make a, a pass attempt to get it out of bounds on a, a third down play on one of. Uh, what would be their their really final last ditch effort? Instead, he he hung in there. He stayed in the game, gripped it and ripped it to Palmer for a long completion that set them up for a touchdown to get within three. Now they eventually lost the game, but you had that grittiness. I know the game has changed a lot over the last decade, but you still had that grittiness. You still had that fight. And you had that willingness to, hey, we're going to make this push right now for a victory. We're going to put it on the line, and we are going to lace up the the cleats and get back out there no matter what. I enjoy that in football, and I think that is the kind of stuff. I think that's why football is never not going to be the top sport because I think that people really like to hold on to that and identify with that and have their stars out there each and every time that they're able to you know, get back up. And I think that's what really sets it just was like a microcosm moment, these two different games in the same couple of days. It really show what sets football apart, I think, in a really clear and crystallized way. And I don't know why that stuck in my head, but I just wanted to bounce that guy off you guys. Do you agree with that? Do you like that or no? Uh I think you're right in the sense that Football's toughness, football's grittiness will always be the thing that endears it to the fans, that will always make it stick around. Uh, to me, the big thing is because they wear the helmets, people can imagine themselves in the uniform. You don't see the faces. You don't see the person. You just see this guy in pads running around, and you think, I feel like I could do that. I really think I could do that. Um, and I think that that's where this sort of all stems from the love of football. I think I think people can envision themselves playing the game and being the guy wearing the helmet. However, I, I do think if you're the Chargers that you should take him out in that situation. If you're down 10 with three minutes left against a division rival early in the season, it's week two. Uh, you, you can't let him you can't let him go out there and get hurt in such a way that for the next six weeks, your games are going to be affected. So the hit already happened. You can't undo the hit, but what you can do is start to minimize the damage long-term by by, by pulling them. You know, I, it might not be the popular decision, but you've got to protect him even from himself to some extent. You don't want to find yourself in a situation like a guy like Andrew Luck, who had his career cut short by about 13 years, honestly, um, because of the, the just the consistent injuries that he kept getting 
playing these these serious serious injuries that required long-term rehabilitations that eventually wear on you as somebody who has been severely injured and had to rehab from an from an injury uh i spent two months in a hospital and then three months overall on crutches it's a it's a i'm not by any stretch an nfl athlete but it does it definitely takes a strong mental toll on you going through the rehabilitation process it's a hard thing to go day in and day out and be like, okay, I just have to stay positive and recognize that I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to be able to get back to that same level and be the same guy I was before. So it can be really tough for these guys. And that was ultimately what broke Andrew Luck is that he wasn't, he didn't want to continue doing these massive, long involved rehabilitations. They're, they're just, it was too much for him. He had enough money. He comes from a well-off family. There are other avenues he could pursue. The guy has a degree from an Ivy League school. There was no reason to keep putting himself through this physical jeopardy. I mean, you say week two, though, but this is going to be a cutthroat division. You need every single win. A divisional win is obviously a weighted win. And I think it's a little bit like the three-point line in the NBA where these offenses, an offense like the Chargers has so many playmakers, has so many deep threats. You can score so fast. I don't think a 10-point deficit, even with three minutes left, is still a death sentence for a team. I don't think you're out of it yet uh, because of well, that's that why you have a, ability. That's why you've got the backup quarterback, though. You've got to be able to go to your backup in that situation and say, you know, when go you get have it. a quarterback also, like Herbert, the difference there is so big. That's fine. It's a big difference, but I don't need him to. I don't need him to win the game. I need him to make five throws. Um, it's there's three minutes left. Like I don't need him to do everything. I need him to make five throws. And then we, next week we can reevaluate where we're at. Um, but more importantly than that, it is only week two, but it, it, it's the Chiefs. You're down 10 to the Chiefs. It's not like the Chiefs can't score. We know how the game ends, but I'm, I'm trying not to look at it from that angle. More importantly, you know the Chiefs are taking this division. Like, you're the, the Chargers are not ready to be the Chiefs. And so, yeah, you played them close, but now you're hurt. You've got to be a little bit more prudent. You can't leave this guy out there like You've got to do something to protect these guys' long-term futures. Right, especially because football games are so impactful. In baseball, you have a million and a half games. Like, missing, losing a game there almost means nothing to your record. You can still lose 100 games and be like, that was a good season Yeah. versus football. And I think that's, I think that's the other reason where, that people do value a football game more is just they are rare. You know, Nico's right about that. We joke about anytime we talk about baseball and the radio, we we joke about how many games it has, how many basketball games there are. But football, it's still a big event. College football too. Even with the playoffs, you can't lose more than maybe, maybe one game, and and still be in the mix. And so, I I get what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree with the concept. The grittiness of football is one of the big ingredients. It's still a special event, even with 17 games. It's still a special event for this last part of the year. We're going to say over and over all year long, and we truly, truly mean it, we're so glad it's football season. Um, you don't do that with the other sports. So I, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, per se. I just I think in this particular instance, this might not be the best example of it. You know what, listeners? 
Let us know what you think. I dropped the email a couple pods ago that you can reach out to us on, but I will put it in the description for this show as well. Let us know what you think. Let us know where you land on this topic. Let's get into some picks, but before we do that, Corey, let's get a word from some sponsors. Yeah, let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Are you in yet? So we have the Houston Texans on the road against the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are 10-point, that's right, 10-point favorites at home against the Texans. Guys, when we're looking at this game, I know that we talked a lot about a bend-don't-break defensive approach that we saw from the Texans in Week 1. Seems like that is going to be a little harder to continue against the Broncos, no? It feels like they have a lot of different kinds of receivers, a lot of different ways they can hit you, and that backfield with Gordon and Williams it looks pretty potent um I don't think it's any more potent than Jonathan Taylor uh, I don't think it's any more dangerous than Jonathan Taylor uh having two of them doesn't make it twice as dangerous I mean they actually had fewer yards than Jonathan Taylor did combined so I actually kind of I think if our defense does what it did last week again, which I guess is asking a lot, I understand it's asking for a, you know a great performance again, but that is going to be the story of this year for us. If our defense performs great, we're going to be close and competitive in games. That's kind of going to be the rule for us. And so I, I'm I'm less concerned about the the running attack of Denver as I am ultimately the potentially game-changing feat of Russell Wilson. Uh, when he's got his head screwed on right and he's thinking about it, he can still make plays with his feet. And that tends to be when he's most dangerous. I noticed he didn't do that a lot in, in the Seattle game, which was odd because of how badly he seemed to want to win. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. What, how do you feel about Russell Wilson? Do you think he's any kind of threat at all for us? I mean, absolutely. I still think Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. I'm not willing to judge him off of one, the first game in the system. Uh, and I think that in the second half, you see this, this offense really starting to click into gear. I think a big thing, and I think this is just going to be the theme for the Texans in a lot of these games, the... Broncos seemed a little bit susceptible to play down to their competition. I'm, I think the Seahawks are a better team than we probably anticipated, and I think the Seahawks are definitely a better team than the Broncos, or excuse me, the, the Texans. But they still made that game a sloppy game. They still kind of mucked it up, and it felt like the Broncos were kind of willing to play into that and play into that style and play into a messy kind of game. And if the Texans can do that too. I think that's probably your route for success. Yeah, absolutely. If they can, if they can get in there and get competitive early, uh, you're right about playing down. That is sort of the 
that seems to be the trademark of a middle to bad team is sure they win some of the games they're supposed to win, but also sometimes they just go in and they play Jacksonville as though somehow Jacksonville and them are equally talented and they're not. Uh, and so what happens is you get these games. Seattle is probably better than anticipated. What we're probably going to find out about halfway through this season is a bunch of these rookies are really good. That the I think the year before they won the Super Bowl with Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, they had like they had started four or five players on defense. So a lot of guys were in their second year coming into that Super Bowl year. Seattle does a good job of identifying good young talent and bringing it in and starting it early. So they may just be ahead of us again on some of these guys. And halfway through the year, we might go, hey, Seattle's actually, you know, a 10 to 20 top team, you know, like somewhere in that second class of teams, which would make more sense about that game that we saw last week. Now, I do think... Uh, I already made my prediction, so it's not necessarily a secret. Uh, for those who didn't know, I was on Mile High Sports yesterday, uh, and I'll be on another radio show today uh, talking more Texans uh, Broncos football. So my pick is that they win, that the Broncos win 21-17. However, this is a game that I think the Texans could definitely take away. Uh, the The to me, the big thing also is the coach. The coach is going to get in the way of the Denver Broncos making good choices. The There were six delay of game calls, the timeout situation at the end, and then going for the 63-yard field goal. It just smacks of a team that's going to try to lose a game that they shouldn't. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think that if this one gets a little sloppy, there's some turnovers. Uh, you have the same type of that same type of effort that you saw from the front seven in the first game, in the second game there for the Texans, I think that this starts getting a little messy and you see the Texans have a shot. I think the biggest difference is that, you know, you mentioned that the running attack, it's not going to be too much different. You're going to have a couple of running backs trying to play up to the bar that a guy like Jonathan Taylor had. But on the other side of that offense, Pittman was really the only guy that scared you for the Colts on this team. I mean, you have Sutton, you have Jerry Judy, Hamler's a burner. There's just a lot of guys that can beat you on the edge. I think we probably see a little more breaking in the secondary, and I think you see some of those guys really fighting through, uh, especially when you have two bigger receivers. I, I just think that that ends up breaking through, and I, I talked – with predictions we have in the second half of this episode, an interview with an editor from the Mile High Report. We have Lori Lattimore Volkman on joining the show in the second half of this episode. So enjoy that interview that we taped a little earlier. But with her, I, I made the prediction of this game going uh, in the, the neighborhood of 35-21 Broncos. I think they might break this open in the second half. I, I just feel like that's a lot of points. I don't know where they... I just don't know where they get the points from. I, I, I don't disagree that there's a chance that they could they could hammer us a couple scores in a row, um, you know, late in the game. I just I don't know that it would be. I, if they even if they did that, I would say it might be like a twenty-four to ten kind of an affair. I just don't know that they've got the 
I feel like what I saw last week was so messy that even if they clean up half of it, we're still in this game. And cleaning up half of it would be a monumental task. Well, that gets us to the picks portion. Nico, let's start off with with your picks. Again, minus 10 Broncos, the favorites. The over-under of 45.5. I love the over in this game. I think that this is for sure an over situation for these for these two teams. What do you think? Give me give me your pick here. Uh I mean you guys both have the Broncos winning, so I, I say we take it. I say it's gonna be like seventeen fourteen. Oh wow. I think it's just gonna be a, a messy defensive game. And that's 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 my pick. That's what I'm going with. I like hammering the under too. My Colts Thunder. I like it. I like it. All right, Corey, what what you got for me? Um, based on how I think the game's going to go, I would say take the points with the Texans and take the under. I think those are two safe bets. I think it's twenty one seventeen Broncos, uh, which gets you to thirty eight points. The under is safe, and we but we still cover spread, um, and that would make me four and zero on betting picks because last week I had to. The Texans covering, and uh, I took the under. So, yeah, I mean, I'm already up. I'm, you're you're I'm two and up. Red hot, red hot. And I, I would say, if you are thinking the Texans are in this game, the under is probably the way to go. Kind of doubling down, so to speak, on on the Texans because I think if they are, if it is an under that uh, again, it's that 45 and a half, 46 in some places, depending on where you're finding your number. But in that 45.5 to 46 range, if you're under that, the Texans are probably in the game. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going over, and I'm taking uh, I'm taking the Broncos minus 10. And uh, there we go. Before we head out to this interview that we have, Corey, give us one more word from our sponsors. That's right. We want to thank the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more, the Adventure Stadium. It's on the second story of the Marcel Town Center. Right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130. Uh, the Adventures Begins, Comics, Games, and More is a great store that Nico and I both go to all the time for all of our nerd accoutrement. And the Adventure Stadium is the sports-related section on the second story. They sell sports cards and memorabilia. Uh, the other day, somebody came in and bought like $70 worth of packs, and they, bought, they pulled a $300 card. Happens all the time. There's all sorts of great cards, uh, collections, and things like that up there. So go to the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more, then hop on up to the second story and check out the Adventure Stadium right there in Conroe. Um, yeah, that, that kind of wraps up everything on my end here. Thank everybody for listening. Colt, what, uh, go ahead. You want to introduce the interview? Welcome back into another edition of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and we have a special guest today. Wanted to bring in somebody with some perspective on the Denver Broncos. So I have Lori Latmore Volkman. She is an editor for the Mile High Report, and she's going to be giving us a little bit of a look at the Broncos, an educated look, because, Lori, you're looking at this team every single day. So we are coming to you for your expertise. First of all, how are you doing? Well, first, I'm doing great, and thanks, Colton, for having me. I'm excited to talk about Texans Broncos. 
Um, as you probably know, most Broncos fans right now are reeling over our recent Monday night debacle. So uh, we can get into that later, but I'm all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> you know, I got to say, looking at this game uh, and looking at the games that these two teams played headed into this week, I think that we are set up for the most entertaining game, not because of good football, but just the most entertaining <laughs> game because I think these teams played the two weirdest games outside of maybe Steelers Bengals for the week one matchups. Absolutely. I think the same. I was I was reading some on your on the Battle Red blog and I was laughing at the the post about how like who would have in all the crazy things you might have thought would happen in week one, who would think it would be a tie, a tie game? And, you know, it's like, yeah, right. You know, like you don't even think that's going to happen in the NFL at all. And in our case, you know, who would think that a coach, albeit a new head coach, would make such a stupid mistake when you have Russ Wilson as your quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I wanted to start with you, Lori, if we could. I'd like to take a look before we get into matchups. Just give me the the mental mindset of, of your team. Where's Where are your Broncos fans going into week two as far as getting away from a weird trip up to Seattle? What's the state of the team going into week two? Well, yeah, it's funny. Bronco, I don't, I don't know if Texans fans are as much like this as Broncos fans. But we are a very finicky fan base, and kind of a. I mean, there's definitely the ride or die fans, but there's a lot of um, just, you know, I would say highs and lows with this team, and fans are you know crazy about them one minute and want to you know jump ship the next and. So after that week one game, which I have, I, I would be shocked if there were too many fans who didn't think we were going to win it. I think there were a lot of fans who recognized it wouldn't be a, an easy win, because, partly because of going into Seattle, the crowd there, Russell Wilson playing in kind of a hostile environment for the first time. And so I think we thought it would be a tough game, but definitely a win. And then to be losing through most of the game and then to have such a dumb decision when it should be so obvious. I think a lot of fans are really pissed and also really worried. And looking at this game with you guys as definitely a must win. If we go 0-2 on this season with this team, it'll feel like a huge failure. Yeah, and you talk about kind of weird emotions, how to feel after a game. I mean, I think Texans fans are a little bit in the same boat. I know that they were seven-point underdogs going into that game against the Colts, but there's a difference between being a seven-point underdog and finding your way into a tie and being uh, a team that blew a 17-point lead and finding your way into a tie. And so I think that, you know, if, if if circumstances were different in the fourth quarter and they tied, maybe you think, okay, you got away with one because you're the worst team. But to blow the 17-point lead kind of makes it feel like more of a loss than even a tie. And so I, I think looking at this one, you really have two emotionally – uh, these teams are in weird spots and there's a desperation for the Broncos, like you mentioned, but it's also weird because uh, there's going to just be some flukiness about this, this game that I think you saw from both of them in week one. Yeah. And you know, these teams have a little bit of a history, even though it's not like they're division rivals, but um, I think given Given that, I mean, 
I there's a I think there's a little bit of a I for such a for such a young matchup I I think fans have have definitely enough sort of hatred for the other team to make it be a really fun rivalry. I mean, and hatred in a good way. <laughs> of course, it's not, sports hate. Not the it's way not, they hate Cowboys fans. Right. So, Lori, let's look at this game a little bit. Uh, getting in between in between the, the numbers, maybe in between the lines on the field here. What's a key matchup that you're looking at going into this game? Well, I think for us – It'll definitely be our our wide receivers against your young secondary. Um, I I I get a feeling you're pretty proud of those those young guys. But, um, is it how do you pronounce his name? Peach. Terry Stingley Jr. Are you talking about their their first round pick? Yeah, and then and then Jalen um, Jalen Peter Petrie, whatever. I I think um, you know going. We'll we'll definitely be looking to. To put some of our experienced wideouts up against your inexperienced secondary, which will be interesting because they didn't play much. I don't know if you watched the game, but you know Russell Wilson went to the to the running back and the and the tight ends, you know, almost exclusively for the first three quarters, and then finally got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy kind of involved in the game. So I would expect that we we go to them a lot more in this game um you know through the air and then of course handing it off to Javante Williams and letting him have his way with <laughs> with the defense we'll see well and that's the tough part too is that you have uh, a guy in in Sutton that i think seems a lot like Pittman who just torched the <laughs> the secondary last week to the tune of 100 and 21 yards and uh on the ground i mean williams looks re- he looked really really good you obviously had the fumble from both running backs but he looked really really good uh melvin gore was getting a lot of play and the defense against the run last week allowed over 160 yards to jonathan taylor obviously jonathan taylor is probably the right. best back in the league right now but there is there's definitely going to get be some yards I think the question will be for the Texans side of things. Can they play that bend don't break style of defense and keep them out of the end zone? Uh, And again, two really fluky games. They were, what was it? 13 plays inside the 10 without touchdowns. The Broncos, I believe the stat was. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, And two, um, you know, back-to-back drives falling into the one yard line. I I think that's never happened in the NFL before. Yeah, so if we, if we can get some of that luck and get some of that bend don't break from the Texans defense, I mean, maybe there's a shot, but there's definitely. And Lori, like you were mentioning earlier, one of the things that I was noticing for the Texans side of things as challenging as it might be on defense for them to handle their receivers, the running backs that the Broncos are throwing at them, I think they could have something with their tight ends. You have a couple of different guys. You're not really sure who is going to be the star in that rotation, but it seems like there's a soft spot in the middle of that defense on the Broncos side of things. Yeah. You mean RTEs versus your your defense? I would say our tight ends versus your defense. Oh. That seems to be what Geno Smith was able to make some hay off of. I don't know if that's just because he didn't trust himself to go outside or if because there's actually a weakness there, but that's where all of the yards and touchdowns were for the Seahawks. Yeah, no, I, so 
Exactly. I would say both of those answers. I think, you know, Pete Carroll is very good at putting together a game plan and knowing a weakness. And it hasn't, it actually hasn't been a secret. I mean, for years, the Broncos have been soft in the middle. We've always struggled really with having really good linebackers and, and we've had a good secondary, but that middle is, has always, I like how you said soft. It has been soft. And we, you know, last week, and, and I think it's probably likely this week, we were without our starting linebacker, Josie Jewell. And this week, we're also going to be without Justin Simmons, who is one of our, you know, best and a, a whole safety. So, you know, I, where our defense has been strong and where weak, there's definitely an opening for the Texans. And Davis Mills, I mean, he was, he was, pretty solid in his in his game i mean um me, connecting to you know some guys to oj howard which what, what he practiced for a week maybe with yeah with davis um so i i think that that matchup for you guys is probably you know it's good our safety our secondary they hadn't played any preseason games and they came in against seattle and you could tell they their communication was all over the place. So that should be better this week, Le- losing one of our top safeties and probably not having our linebacker back. I think there's definitely an area to exploit, unfortunately. All righty. So from what we're saying, might be a little bit of a, an offensive match if these defenses don't have things figured out. Could be some scoring. Uh, I think there will definitely be some takeaways. This leads me into... What is an outside-the-box prediction that you have? We're going to get to score predictions here in a minute, but what's something that you think will happen that maybe not everybody has on their radar? (laughs) I was thinking when you you wrote that, what I should say is that Brandon McManus is going to kick a 64-yard field goal, and he's going to make it, and nobody's going to believe it. (laughs) Oh, ah, guy's a killer. I, I mean, I'm still mad. I was mad, so mad that night. Mostly I was in disbelief. And then as it, as I've, you know, like, as you think about it, I just get madder and madder. I'm like, how the coach, I don't know. I, I know this is getting off topic, but he went to his press conference and defended it the first time. Then the second day he came back and said, well, yeah, we obviously should have gone for it. But when he described that, he didn't, he didn't really concede that it was a bad idea to even plan on a 64 yard field goal. It was like, well, we made it to the spot that Brandon told us he could make it from. I'm like, that's 60. Why did you listen to him? It's 64 yards. He's never made that. And in this environment, it's not like it's, you know, mile high stadium with the thin air, like, come on, don't be so stupid. So yeah, that would be my out of box prediction is that we go for it and make it. But I I like it. I like it. Uh, for, for me, the Texans, they did some uh, – they clearly had a package of plays for Jeff Driscoll, their backup quarterback. This is going to be a weird game anyways. Uh, and the coaching decisions, I'm not sure exactly what – I like Lovey Smith. The offensive coaching decisions might be a little weird. I think their defensive coaching was actually pretty solid. And then on the Broncos side of things, there's all sorts of weird decisions that happen. I'm predicting that a backup quarterback – makes several big plays not because they actually have a good backup quarterback on either side just because i think things are going to get weird and all of a sudden you have a wildcat or something or you have some sort of quarterback lined up on, on the outside for some reason who knows why and there's a running back throwing to him i think stuff is going to get weird in this game 
it's the perfect mix of the Broncos are really desperate for a win. So if it comes out and for some reason after the first quarter it's 3-0 Texans, I think they start throwing <laughs> stuff against the wall. And I think the Texans don't have an identity yet, and so they're going to try some weird stuff just because of that. If the Broncos end up going to a backup quarterback, you are going to see most of the Mile High Stadium fans leave. <laughs> I think if, if for any reason Russell Wilson is not our quarterback in a game, oh, it, it's, going to be, it's going to be bad. I this is probably going to be a Texans quarterback doing this, but if stuff gets weird and they hate <laughs> running, or two quarterbacks in the backfield or something weird like that, I don't know. Yeah. I, I Alignment scoring, yeah. Yeah, I would say here'd be my my crazy out of the box prediction would be that um, that Garrett Bowles, left tackle, gets a deflected pass that hits a helmet. He grabs it and runs into the end zone for the touchdown. I love it. This is the kind of predictions we're here for. <laughs> and speaking of uh, weird ways to look at this game, I I this is a little bit of a strange way to do it, but I. I heard a reporter they wanted to ask because Greg Popovich, the Spurs, legendary Spurs head coach, is such a big wine connoisseur. There's a reporter uh, whose name escapes me, but there's a reporter who I uh, always he said he always wanted to ask Pop in a in like one of those like post game on the court interviews that always go so poorly. He always wanted to throw him off. Like, right. What compare this game to a wine just to see if you could get him to engage? It's like I've been thinking. Well, you know what? Football fans tend to be a little heavier drinkers, maybe, than the, the average wine drinker. So <laughs> let's try to figure out if this game was a drink, what drink would it be? That is such a tough question. I So obviously ruling out wine because it just – if you're drinking wine at a football game, you're not the right kind of fan. <laughs> Beer – Beer is an easy, it's an easy one to go with, especially I think when you're talking like Texas and and Denver, you know, Broncos, like both. Yeah, like, I mean, and we're all about the micro brews and that. So I'm like, ah, oh, there's too many choices. So I think what I'm gonna go with a whiskey sour. Cause I feel like you got, you've got that heart. It's, it's gonna be, there's a, there's a lot of, I think they're gonna be grinding this one out so i'm going with you know hard liquor whiskey you know good kind of solid so, solid alcohol right there yeah and then you know we have a huge we have a sour taste in our mouth after last week and i'm guessing the texans fans do too so i let you know the whole like lemon twist there i think goes well with this whiskey sour i like it i like it that's a good i'm oh, no. going with a shot of jagermeister because I think, oh I think that the key to this game, uh, I think the Seahawks are a little better than people give them credit for. But I thought the key to that game was kind of that they made it messy. And so I think if the Texans are able to make that game messy and nothing's messier than a shot of Jägermeister, then there's going to be success. And I think that the Broncos might play down to that kind of game. They might play down to that kind of level. And so there's my, uh, there's my prediction. So Jägermeister, that's my drink of choice uh, for this game. I think there's going to be some craziness. Speaking of craziness, let's get into some score predictions. Lori, what do you think this game is going to do as far as score? We can go over under. I know the spread on this game 
is in favor of the Texans minus 10 over under 45. Your predictions. Uh, I'm going to go under. I, th- I, don't, I don't think we'll get over 10 points on you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not, not the confidence. So do you have a final score prediction for me? Yeah, I'm going to go. So what, what did you say the spread was? Ten, the spread it's was 10, 10 points? points in favor of the Broncos. Big number. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't, be- I can't believe they kept that after last week. But, but anyway, I – so – Here's my prediction. I think the Broncos offense will get in better sync. I think the defense will hopefully be in better sync, but because we're losing some, I think it's going to be a fairly high scoring game um, by both offenses. And I think it will probably be close. So I'm going to go 31-27 Broncos. 31-27 Broncos. I I think that the Broncos will have a little more success. They'll be at home. Uh, I think that this is probably going to be 35-21. It's going to get messy, but I think in that second half, things are going to start clicking for the Broncos. 35-21, probably Broncos. Uh, If it is messy and it is low scoring, that will favor the Texans. I don't think that will be the case. I think Russell Wilson finds his stride. But there we go. There you have it. Thank you, Lori, so much for joining us. You can check out what she writes, all the work she's doing over at the Mile High Report. Make sure you're checking out all the SB Nation blogs if you are – trying to find some football content on Sunday after Sunday, leading up to it, whatever it may be. Laura, you have anything to plug before we head out? Yeah, well, of course, Mile High Report. And you can find me on Twitter at DocLLV. And you can check out my YouTube show, The Roundup, on MHR Live on YouTube. So check that out, especially if you're a Broncos fan. All right, thank you so much for joining us and make sure that you are subscribing wherever you're getting your podcast to make sure you're getting every single show of the Battle Red Radio. I'll be back Sunday night for a Monday morning show. Let you know how everything went with a full reaction to Sunday's game. Lori, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to another installment of Battle Red Radio.